want to welcome everyone here today. And uh, Brent, thank you for leading our thoughts around the, the message from Ephesians, that meditation. We're going to come back to that. Um, first, I've got to tell you, though, that I'm, I'm, I'm a bit perplexed. I, I, I was disappointed that I didn't get to see Ten Commandments on the big screen recently here in town. You know, the 1956 Cecil B. DeMille, Charlton Heston, Ten Commandments. Um, but it came on ABC last night again, so I got to see the last part. I got to see that part, too, where, you know, the best part's not when they conquer Yule Brenner. The best part is when they get out into the desert and Edward G. Robinson leads them into a, a, some sin, which really isn't that impressive. It's 1956 Hollywood sin. Guys running around chasing women, uh, playing with fire, throwing things at each other. First time I remember seeing that movie all the way through, I thought, Greek week up on the Fayetteville campus is worse than this. <laughs> I always wondered if Charlton Heston would show up and cause the whole thing to be swallowed up into a canyon, a chasm. Um... But Karen asked me a, a very important question. She said, why does ABC always show Ten Commandments at Easter? It's like they've chosen the wrong story. And I thought for a second, well, it's because of Passover. I mean, it makes sense if it's Passover. But my theory is shredded. because, And this is why I'm perplexed. Because Passover is going to be in April. April 22nd is when Passover starts. So the fact of the matter is, is that ABC television is showing Ten Commandments, a very important story in Scripture. In, in fact, for the, for the Israel, that story of being taken out of Egypt, given a new identity, receiving the commandments, the wandering in the wilderness. That is their story. That's their key story. That's where they get their identity. That's where they get rescued. That's where they get saved. That is the story of the people of Israel. But it's not the same story as the story that ought to be told at Easter. In the Old Testament, and it comes up in more than just Exodus, the Exodus event is a crucial event. It's, it's, the, it's the event that makes all the difference for the people of Israel. But when you get to the time of Jesus, and by the way, it's no accident that the crucifixion of Jesus happens at Passover. That's not just an executive scheduling decision at ABC. That is all part of the plan. And what you see in Ephesians is that now this event, for both the people of Israel and now for the people of the world, for the people of the world, for all of God's children, all of creation even, what happens in Jerusalem with the crucifixion and the resurrection, that is the new crucial event. That is the event that gives identity and, and shapes reality. And usually at this time of year, with this holiday, we emphasize the crucifixion and the resurrection. And you know what? We've only been getting two-thirds of it. Because there's another part after the resurrection. It's the exaltation. Now, that's probably not a word we use a lot. 
exaltation. If we do use exaltation, and I did a, I did a uh, internet search for exaltation and worship backgrounds. It's all about people worshiping. And the downside of that is that sometimes we get this view that God's sitting around waiting for us to come and exalt him. That Christ is sort of the, 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 the lonely uh, uh, kid at the, at the prom who just needs somebody to dance with him. And he's just waiting for somebody. Well, I know we're, not against, we're against dancing, but still, you know, understand the analogy. So here he is, and he's just waiting for some worshipers to show up and say, We choose you, Christ. We're going to exalt you. Well, thank you. You've made my day. And then we'll be back next year to exalt him again. That's not biblical. That, that, that's about as biblical as Cecil B. DeMille's narration in Ten Commandments, which is just sort of a King James word salad, all right? What happens in reality, if you read Scripture, is that with, with no input from us, with no need for our advice, with no discussion with the worship committee or any of us, God says, I am going to exalt Jesus and make him the Christ, give him a name that is above all names, and give him an authority over every authority in the universe. God made that decision unilaterally, and that is the reality that you and I live in. Now, we can choose to accept that or not. We can choose to recognize that or not. The world can choose to recognize that or not, but... That's the reality. You see that in Ephesians 1, the, the meditation that Brent led us through. That, that Thank you, Brent, for allowing us not only to think about those words, to think about that scripture, but to, to sing and worship around that thought as well. In Ephesians 1, Paul says that Christ is risen, and I'm going to read those words again, because he's risen When we say that, it's a slogan on Easter. He is risen, yes, but risen to what? Ephesians 1, 19 through 23 has your answer. Paul says, and he's preaching now, he wants us to understand. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now, he is far above any ruler, any authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. This is the word of God. Christ is risen, but to what? Is he just reanimated? No, it's much more than that. Is he just revived and restored to life? No, it's much more than that. The resurrection is not the end of the story. You don't have the resurrection and then they live happily ever after. You have the resurrection and the proper phrase is, and so it begins. That's the proper thing that needs to be said. 
The resurrection is the beginning of a new rule, of a new authority. Everything is now new and different. We've just begun now that the resurrection and the exaltation has taken place. Did you notice God, verse 22, God has put all things under the authority of Christ and made him head over all things. There's no dualism of powers in this universe. We don't have spiritual authority in Christ and secular authority in the state. We don't have spiritual authority in Christ and then earthly temporal authorities that somehow exist outside of Christ. We have those authorities, but those authorities are accountable to Jesus Christ. Don't you mistake it. Not for a second. Regardless of what happens this election season, regardless of what happens in other political systems around the world, even in our own localities, all of those authorities, as much as they deserve our respect, they deserve our respect. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying they are all accountable to Jesus Christ because every authority has been placed under his authority. Now, they can recognize that or not. But the real question today is, will you and I live out the recognition of that? I think most of us recognize that. You're amening it, and and thank you for that. Thank you for affirming that. That's good. Preaching is a cooperative effort, and we need to do that. Amen? There you go. See? That's how it works. But now we've got to take the amens, and we've got to put hands and feet on them. And we've got to go live them out. And we can do that. We can do that. That's why we preach. That's why we encourage one another. There is a new rule in the universe, and all of that authority has been given to God. But here's the wonderful, gracious thing that's said. Did you catch this? It's been done for not, for, not for Christ's benefit, but for the benefit of the church. What he's saying is, Christ exalted is good for me and you. Christ exalted is good news for me and you. It's good news for the world. Because it means there is an authority that's going to make everything right. It's for the benefit of the church. And the church is made full and complete by Christ. The benefit I want you to know about today is also mentioned in Ephesians. It's the new life that comes to us because of this. It's it's our story. It's our key story that's get, that keeps getting told over and over again. Just like the Passover, the Exodus and the Passover were the story for Israel. The crucifixion, resurrection, the exaltation, the authority of Christ is the story for us that changes all reality. And nothing can take it away from us. Listen to the word of God from Ephesians 2 verses 4 through 7. God is so rich in mercy... And he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life and he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you've been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us, as shown in all that he has done for us, those of us who are united with Christ Jesus. Do you remember those two verbs back in chapter 1? 
The power of God raised Christ and seated him. By the way, as long as we're going to say he is risen, we also might as well say he is seated. Okay, now that doesn't sound as quite as exciting. But if you understand what seated means, seated means that Christ has been seated at the right hand of God. Write this down, Psalm 110, verse 1. Go look that up later today. Psalm 110, verse 1. It's an ancient promise. The psalmist said, you have seated me at your right hand. That, the church took that to mean Christ. He is seated at God's right hand, meaning that he has all authority. The only authority higher than Christ is God, and they are one. So now that Christ was raised and Christ was seated... In chapter 2, Paul goes so far as to say, we're raised and seated with him. And Paul is even, we don't know if he's inventing words, but we don't know where these words ever appear in ancient literature. Raised with and seated with. I know that's two words in English, but it's one word in Greek. We participate in Christ's resurrection. We participate in the authority that is given to Christ. Now, here's the good news in that. Because typically, on Easter, there's a proclamation. There's a proclamation that Christ was crucified and resurrected. And sometimes, and it turns into kind of a gospel pep rally, okay? And, and that's, it's good for us to be excited. There's nothing wrong with pep rallies. I like pep rallies. But after the pep rally, you've got to go play the game, Okay? And that's the thing, you can't stay at the pep rally. you got to keep playing the game. And it's going to be tough sometimes. The message for us, by the way, what God accomplished in Christ, that's fact, that's history, that's reality. You and I don't make it more real by affirming it more and more. It's real. We're affirming it to one another because we need to remember it. Because here's the other message. We were dead. Notice that Paul doesn't say, you're going to die in your sins, and he doesn't have to convince them. Notice that he doesn't say, you need to change your ways, or you're going to hell. He says, we were dead because of our sins. That when sin had the rule over us, when sin had the authority over this world, there's no hope. Everything was going one direction, death. There was one outcome, death. That's you and I. Because of our sins, we were dead. Because of my sins, I was dead. But God, because of his grace and mercy, raised me and seated me with Christ. I don't, I'm not ashamed to say it. I'm getting into the kingdom on his coattails, okay? And guess what? Everyone is. Because he's the one that's been put in charge. He's been given the authority over death. The message today is not just that Christ was raised, that he died, was raised, and exalted. The message here today is also we were dead, but we've been raised. 
It's kind of sobering. It's kind of, it kind of wakes us up. I think this is why in chapter 5, Paul says this. By the way, that resurrection and that exaltation of Jesus, it changes everything. It empowers the church. It makes, it's, it's the reason why we can do immeasurably more, where God can do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, and why that power is at work within us. Because of what he did in Christ. It's all part of the story now. So, what do you do with that? Well, chapter 5, verse 14. Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. You know, we think that's a song or a prayer that the early church uttered. That when someone was baptized, they would say this. That this was spoken. Isn't that an interesting thought? Maybe that's an ancient practice we ought to restore. We are united with Christ in baptism. That's what Romans 6 says. That we're united with Him in His death. We're also united with Him in His resurrection. As Paul says in Ephesians, we're raised with Him. We're seated with Him. Now, because of all that, it's time for us to wake up. To wake up to the new reality that Christ is in charge. Rise up from the dead. I'm going to tell you today, don't let sin be the last word of your story. We were dead because of our sins. That does not have to be the outcome for you and I. And there's people that we love. There's people that we care about. And they need to know... That sin doesn't have to be the last outcome of their story. Now, not because of us. Not because you've got some preacher who's going to tell it the way it is. or Not because we've got this great church family. But because Christ rules. That's what they need to hear. And because of that, they can be sobered up. They can be woken up. And they can participate in the new rule in this universe. We said at the beginning of this year, we want to be friendly, inviting, intimate, and participatory. Do you know that our, I, I want to raise the bar, okay? Can we raise the bar? I don't want to just do participation in this church family. That's going to be the hem of the garment. We're going to start there. Participation in the life in this church, great. How about we participate in what God is doing in the world? How about we do that? We do that participatory relationships here that's that's going to follow but christ god is at work in us because of what he did in christ and we can participate we've been invited into that that that's that's the good news you have been invited to participate in a new order of the ages you have been invited to participate in a new government over all the universe We sang that song, uh, Because He Lives. And while we were singing that song, I kind of had my wake-up moment. Because we focus on the title of the song, Because He Lives. But I want you to hear what the chorus sounds like without the phrase, Because He Lives. Now listen to it. Listen to what we're saying. Because we're all buying into this mentally. We're all buying it. You know, we're, we're accepting this. And if you, know, if you have doubts, that's fine. 
We, we can help you with that. I can help you with that. I don't mind talking to you about it. But we're here. And let's just say for the sake of discussion that we all accept that. But now listen to what it means. I can face tomorrow. Hear that. I can face tomorrow. You can face tomorrow. All fear is gone. He holds the future. I can face tomorrow. All fear is gone. He holds the future. And why is that? Because he's not only risen, but he's also seated in the heavenly realms at the right hand of God. That's why. Now, consider what that means for us as we go out and we live in his grace and mercy. You have been invited to participate in that hope. You can face tomorrow. All fear can be gone. And he holds the future. Can you accept that? Can we accept that as a people? This is our story. This is our reality. As we stand and sing this song, there will be shepherds here ready to pray for you. Maybe the decision you need to make today is to be united with Christ in baptism, united in his death, united in his resurrection, raised with him, seated with him. Maybe you want to visit with the elders because maybe you need a little more privacy. We have a room back here. We call it room 100. You just go back there and say, I want to meet with the shepherds. Someone will show you the way. But however you need to respond to this invitation that comes not from me, but comes from the King of kings and the Lord of lords, won't you respond while we stand and sing this song?